With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happy Wednesday, folks. Uh, as opposed to the last couple days, we actually have some news to talk about, some rumors, some uh, speculation regarding Eric Carlson, some other things. But we'll start off with uh, Russ's pre-show commentary. Somebody who does live in Winnipeg, Peg, a friend of mine, John Walman, posted this morning uh, an article that basically, now again, this is sad that this is now coming out in article form that next week Starbucks will start to serve pumpkin spice coffee. And I got to tell you, I was reading, I wanted to read some of the comments because a lot of his friends are Canadian. He put me, he tagged me because he knew how I would feel about it. But I will tell you, there's at least 40 to 50% of those people that are like, it's 90 degrees out. Why mm-hmm. in the world am I going to drink this stuff? And why would I ice it? This is, I'm telling you, this is something that I don't understand with companies. It's like, you're going to get your opportunity to serve pumpkin spice, but don't do it at the height of the summer. You still got like three, four weeks of hot temperatures. Well, and it's ironic that you said this. I don't know if you saw the tweet that I tweeted out this morning, because I had, I had to stop at the, uh, the supermarket on the way back from the gym and, um, I'm walking through the the dairy section, and they had you know, the Chobani uh, Greek yogurt, and they had pumpkin spice Chobani yogurt, and I'm like, it is. It's August freaking twenty second. Just like all of a sudden, they start Christmas decorations and Christmas music right after Halloween. It's August twenty second. I mean, I remember a couple years ago when I was at, at the rookie tournament in London, Ontario, and it was, and that was always the first weekend of September that they had pumpkin spice lattes or whatever. Yeah. It's way too early, and first of all, it sucks. It, t- it tastes terrible. We're gonna even forget about that. We're just gonna go for timeliness factor, and it's like there's a window where you literally can serve pumpkin spice from like the middle to the end of September through almost December. Like, why the hell are you starting it in August? Like, it just... Hey, Costco had Halloween stuff in August. Yes. Like, you know, it's just, I mean, it, it's gotten ridiculous. For, you know, first week first week of August at uh, a local supermarket, they had the the jack-o'-lantern-shaped Reese's peanut butter right. We talked about that. We did. And I, and I want to thank the uh, my team out there that certainly uh, lets me know about these things when they pop up. The sure. anti-pumpkin team. I like a pumpkin spice latte as much as the next guy. I get one. Well, of course you do, because you've got fancy glasses. And- <laughs> these, these are these are Foster Grants from Shoppers Drug Mart. They cost me thirty three dollars, Russ. I'm the I'm the one who's got fancy glasses. These are these are four hundred dollar pair so of Ray Bans with. Yeah. <laughs> I break my glasses so often I don't buy them. I don't buy fancy. So. <laughs> I like I like that, and I and I understand the marketing of things. And pumpkin spice lattes are a bit of a bit of a cult classic. It's like a good red wine from California, you know. But the thing that really irks me is right after Halloween ends, Starbucks then sells their Christmas spice coffee. Yeah, it it's like it's November first. Boom, they're right in. 
and that goes on for two months and then they have so much of it yeah pe 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 pepper, pepper, peppermint lattes yeah but just a regular bold coffee or whatever so if you like a bold coffee you get one of the two or three depending on the starbucks size you go to it's that and it keeps going to january until they get rid of it it gets a little goofy and that's the problem is is they're so they're so attached to the to the the branding and marketing of these things that they don't realize they're actually degrading the customer experience they are and that's a really important thing to know you know like, i actually gets this right i don't want to give them too much credit but mcdonald's always gets it right when they put out the shamrock shake for a short amount of time yes or, or yeah. even the rib i've got i know people that are hooked on this even though it's you know disgusting but they do it at the right times marketing wise you're right and, and christmas christmas and i actually like this they do the eggnog shake right so they do it. They do it seasonal, but they do it in a small enough window that it doesn't it doesn't get obnoxious. I mean, I, the the one thing I've also noticed is because we're not the only people who are sick and tired of pumpkin spice. You know, I call it pumpkin spice apocalypse. <laughs> um, that you know that they're branching out now. It's you know, like for example, the Greek yogurt Chobani maple flavored for for uh, for the different for for the christmas holiday season maple flavored apple cinnamon flavored it's it's gotten to be totally ridiculous yeah. and and honestly it's it's just it's it's just too much and i do want to call out cousinetti because he's saying hashtag team pumpkin spice listen he roots for a team that he's never even seen win a championship in his lifetime so whatever oh whoa watch it he'll turn on us Hi, Ak. Hello. <clears throat> we're we are live, and we're talking about pumpkin spice. Yes, because Starbucks is starting it up next week because everybody needs that when they're going to the beach. Yeah, that's really important. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about food at all, guys. I don't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. We battling, battling, battling a bad, bad flu this week. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, the only thing that's got me out of bed today is, is this Eric Carlson thing, essentially, which is happening. So, uh, just fun, fun to follow. But, um. And I did have like a quick little thing though, which is like, and I, I know you guys, I know Peter's a parent, but you guys are not, but uh, still you'll appreciate the fact that our children, well, my children at least start school next week on Monday. And, um, this is the most absurd thing. <laughs> what was that? Peter's happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when, when, when does, Kaya, when, when does Kaya start school, Russ? He doesn't. She just lays around. Man. <laughs> it's the most absurd thing in the world now that they have, you know, and, and we, you know, we have a place near the beach and, and, you know, I was talking to people down there and like, so there's the busiest two weeks of the year, usually for, for a lot of vacation type people, you know, who have like, who were in the vacation industry, you were in the hotel industry, Russ. It's like the last two weeks of August are like big, big travel weeks. Yeah. Whereas everybody travels and, now they've taken the last week away and put the kids back in school, like on that Monday um, of the last week of August, which like kills the economy. And, um, and also just like, it's just kind of like ridiculous to go back to school in August. In my opinion, like you should definitely go return to school after Labor Day. Like that's the rule, right? That's how it's always been. So it's just funny. So, and I know some people who started last week, like who started this week, I mean, who are already- Yeah, it depends on your state. Like you guys, like US, you guys for your high school, depending on your states, and this is a really interesting historical one because if you go back to World War II, that's when summer holidays started because we had a fairly agricultural-based economy in a lot of states and provinces in Canada. 
and you the crops. kids to get out of school to help with the farms because yeah. so many men were away fighting in the war. Right. And a lot of that never changed. But I know some states, like, school ends kind of like the last week of May, but they're back in the middle of August. And if, you, and if you're in any university and you play a sport, particularly football, you've already been there for a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of other sports, too. Yeah, and, and being 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 from a family that had, you know, my dad was a teacher. The one interesting thing was that up until probably the last, maybe the last fifteen to twenty years, teachers would get paid weekly or biweekly until the end of June, and then in the summer they had to find themselves another job to get through from June to September because they wouldn't they wouldn't put the payout for fifty two weeks. They would they would stop it when the school year stopped and then start it when the school year started again. So like my dad did the census and I know other teachers who did the customs at the at the at the at the peace bridge, but and that's just bizarre. Yeah, yeah, that's um that's a thing up here for sure, Mike. Same thing, and a lot of the teachers, particularly if you were a young teacher, and that was your only option, depending on your school district and how everything's managed. They also went and taught summer school. Summer school. Fill in the blanks between yeah. you know, those two and a half months or two months. Yeah, my dad did the same thing too. My dad was my dad was um in the uh, in the air force and uh, but, but he was they, like, they, they never get a vacation. Well, he was in the, yeah, but he also did teach. I mean, he just because the same thing, I think he wasn't making that money, so he was actually a calculus teacher. And I ran the high school um, math program in Florence, New Jersey, for a long time, and um which is where I was introduced to drink toast. So, um, yeah, that's all the whole story comes together. That's what gave you the stomach flu is that take a boost. <laughs> no, if I had that better, it's a problem. I don't have that. Um, I need, I need that. I need someone to bring me some from North Jersey. I'm not really this, I don't know why my whole thing, but I, I don't, yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's continue because we do have some hockey to talk about today. So this is good. Um, ready to go. Yep. yep. All right, let's try it. Um, it's Thursday. Nope, Wednesday. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, Hockey World. It's Wednesday, August 22nd, 2018. I'm Michael Agello, and I um, hate pumpkin spice. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Peter Tessier in very smoky BC. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and pumpkin spice is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I'm Eklund. And why do we even eat pumpkins? You know, like it's not even, it doesn't make any sense. Pumpkin HockeyBuzz.com. It's a podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the coming and goings of the hockey world. And so it's interesting. Over the last 24 hours, if you were following my, you know, my tweet, despite my like 102 fever, <laughs> you would see that um, yesterday I posted that things were heating up, that there was something going on in the trade world. And you could really, you were starting to hear a lot of things. Um, and then today I got I got I tried to dig deeper into it and all I could find was that you know something was going to give with Pacioretty and or Carlson within the next ten days and that sort of and my blog that I wrote today you know was along the lines of this is the time of year to dump these players if you have to like if you if you really have to dump them if you're in a situation where you can't get anything but rental money for them um, this is the time of year you're going to do that. Yeah, you know, it makes sense because this because right now, I mean, if you if even in hockey buzz and you know even the people amount of people watching this show, it's like half of half of the normal viewership and half of the normal readership because this I time of year. It wasn't my dog. Yeah, I know it's it's half it's it's you know it's really it, this is this is this is the time of year where we get you know way less people and um, because everyone's sort of not paying attention. 
and uh, and you know, and this. So if you're going to put out news, it's going to be not great. Which is which is which you know, the Carlson train and Patrick train. No matter what, is not going to be great news for either for either you know, Ottawa or Montreal. They're not. No one's going to love the return they get for these players. Um, that's going to be the. This is the time to do it. Put it out now. You know, put it out now. And 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 then suddenly today, um, Elliot Freeman puts out that you know he, he talks are heating up with Carlson, and uh, and now suddenly Vancouver could be involved and. I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's the case. And I do know well, for a fact that other teams have gotten involved in this for sure. And, you know, and they can do it under the radar because of the time of year when, you know, there aren't that many people covering hockey and you know, this is an easy time of year to like for other teams to get in on this. Well, and this is, this is the thing with, with, with Vancouver. And I know like, cause I, when I retweeted Elliot Friedman's uh, tweet on, on this subject and offered my little commentary on it, you know, a lot of Vancouver fans were basically going, no, you know, they're like, this is, and those are the fans who have wanted and who continue to want them to, to do a rebuild. And the problem is, is that your ownership will never do it. They've, they've never bought into it. They can, you know, they puzzlingly, you know, give the, the marching orders to their general manager to go out and sign guys like Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle and the previous year, Michael Del Zotto and a few, and a few, Thomas Vanek and a few other veterans. And even with this, but with the Sedins retiring, that opened up $14 million in cap space. They've got right now for next year, uh, over thirty million dollars in cap space this year. They still have a little over nine million dollars. So adding on a Carlson, uh, they can they can do it financially. They can also do it in terms of what Ottawa is looking for. They you know Vancouver is one of the deepest uh, prospect laden organizations in the NHL. And if you put it to put together what we have heard and what you've reported Eck, about what what. Uh, Ottawa was looking for, for say Dallas or from Tampa, you know, Sergachev's name was mentioned. Heiskanen's name was mentioned with Dallas, a defensive prospect like Oli Ulevi, who was taken fifth overall in 2016 makes a lot of sense, especially after Vancouver drafted Quinn Hughes in this draft, they've got young defensemen in the pipeline. They, they could trade a Ulevi along with something else and that might be a better package for Ottawa than anything that they've been offered in the last couple months. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think Yolevi would be a big part of that package. I think a one. And I still think you you would have to throw in another player or prospect or pick or something. And that's fine. I think I think it makes sense. I, I think if I'm Ottawa, I'm not going to be able to do much better than, I, than that because Yolevi is a potential – first or second pair in D-man for the next 10 years when he right when he makes it. So I mean and it's a reset on their age gap too. Yeah, like it it's a reset on the age gap too. Right. Big deal. How good their defense would be if they had a, I mean because they have this great young defense there that's coming up. I mean, you know, they have some really good young players. Well like, you'd have air you'd have you'd have Carlson, Edler, Tanev, and Gabranson, Delzado, uh, Troy Stetcher, uh, Hutton. I mean, they, they they'd be deep deep enough at the NHL level. But Peter, I mean, again, this I, is sorry, Mike. Remember, you at the end of the year, if Michigan's out of it, you could bring Quinn Hughes in the fold too. Yeah. Right, but I mean, the only thing that this makes sense from a, from a Vancouver perspective here is, and I, like I said to you guys before the show, um. Vancouver and Jim Benning would now then have the opportunity to work on Carlson for the next six months. And it's not exactly a tough thing to sway somebody to want to play in British Columbia. 
Yeah. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful place. You know, if, if they're intent on putting some money into the franchise and continuing to, you know, add the, they have the young guys like Horvat and Besser and Bertan, and if, if they can keep most of those guys without and not trade them in a, in a deal for Carlson, it might be an opportunity where, you know, he's got a chance to play with some of his countrymen. I'm sure the Sedins would probably work on him to try to you know, help him make a decision. I mean, it, Peter, it, it, to me, it adds up as a, po- a really good possibility. I, I mean, it, everything adds up because, particularly because of the direction that ownership wants to go. They want their belief, and, and Francesco Acolini has said this since the day they really got control. They ousted um, Dave Nonis and got uh, Mike Gillis in. That their expectation is they will be competing for the playoffs which means competing for a Stanley Cup every year. That's the ownership's expectation. And this makes a lot of sense because it, it falls into that logic, that, that wheelhouse of logic that comes from ownership. What I think is super interesting about this is never underestimate Vancouver to do things that, that um, f- foils its fan base in funny ways. Yes. And I put out a tweet saying, well, you know, maybe Ottawa, Ottawa has to give up the 2019 first round draft pick and Vancouver's hosting the draft. So don't even, I wouldn't even rule out Vancouver trading his first round pick this year, despite them hosting the draft simply because that's what they would do to do to, to that's the level ownership is at to fulfill what they believe is the right way to run a franchise. And, you know, maybe, you know, who knows given um, what they have in assets and where they are this season, but they could acquire another first round pick at the trade deadline anyways. But if it means getting Eric Carlson and getting him at the contract value you believe, I don't think they need nine months to work on Eric Carlson. They need to know from Eric Carlson, are you willing to sign here? What's it going to take? And they they can get this done fairly quick, just like Poyle got done with Kyle Turris, right? You can get get this done to make it work. It's they need to know that, and then they'll know if it's worth the risk. And frankly – Carlson will be 28 when his deal starts next time. As long as, you know, again, we've talked about this before with Carlson, is is his injury something that's going to affect him long-term? Because he had a bit of an off year when it came to skating and what made him so special. Russ, I know you disagree on this. I, I think it's worth, like, if I'm Vancouver, and I've accepted the fact that they're never going to rebuild. So if you're going to go all in, this is the kind of guy you go all in on. That's the logic, right? Yeah. Is it the right thing for them? I don't know, but that's how they behave. And you can only really operate with how they behave. And that's what we see. And I think, I mean, hey, for the dog days of August, bring it on. We, we love this stuff. Yeah, you know, the odd thing about this is yesterday I saw an ad that was on Twitter for Eric Carlson and an energy drink, and it said, can you recover like Eric Carlson? And now he might get traded, so he might need that drink to recover. Like, that ad was really, that ad was huge yesterday on the on the on Twitter and stuff like that. And really, yeah. it was a funny ad, and and it was I thought it was. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hello. No, you lost you for a second. Go ahead. Uh, I thought, I thought that ad was well done. I thought they did a good job with it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm gonna sit back and say, you know, like. It's funny. My my views on the Canucks have changed drastically. Though. I know Peter Peter stays with the Canucks, and, and he, you know you live and die with the Canucks because you grew you grew up with the Canucks. Um, I last year, you know, I, I used to not be a Benning guy at all. Like I thought he was doing a terrible job because the trade deadlines were just horrible. Like he, he really just handled the trade deadline terribly. I thought his yeah. communication was always bad. 
Um, I knew there was this disconnect between the ownership and him. But then, you know, like over the last couple of years, Russ has slowly convinced me that the Vancouver Canucks are, are have a pretty darn good prospect pool coming. Like that they have been doing a good job at drafting. Um, and, well, you know, when you look at what they've got, and a lot of them are Swedish, you know. <laughs> well, I, I think I think Jim. I think the thing is, I think Jim Benning is sort of a, as a general manager is a split personality. You, if you're talking about Jim Benning, the drafter, Russ is definitely right. I mean, you know, Besser is a great prospect, and he did played very well last year and was what second in the uh, in the Nor in the uh, Calder Trophy voting. Uh, Pedersen really impressed both of us at the at the World Junior, and I think he's going to be a really good NHL player. Thatcher Demko is a is a top flight goaltending prospect. They have other prospects as well. We mentioned Yalevi. The problem is is you know some of the trades he's made and mostly the free agent signings, and that maybe you can assuage his guilt for, for, uh, for those based on the marching orders he gets from the Aquilinis. If the Aquilinis are telling him, go out and spend the money and sign veterans, then he really can't be blamed for it. But, you know, spending $3 million a year on Antoine Roussel, spending $3 million a year on Jay Beagle, signing some of the, you know, uh, Sam Gagne and Michael Delzato, these are not smart moves. I mean, I, I don't, I don't they're, get them. Not, I mean, they're not. What else were they going to do? You know, this is my thinking on it. Okay, so what are like, they going to do? They're going to fin. They, they, they're going to finish at the bottom of the league and get a win. You know, you know me. I mean, I love a team. Yes, that does I know. All right, so I mean, if they're going to, if they're not going to tank, and they're still going to, I mean, they're, they're not get. They're getting prospects. I mean, like you know, better seriously. Like we talk, like you talk about. I mean, Pedersen is is. What, he was the fifth overall pick, I guess, in his draft year. Yeah, I think he's going to be a, a Calder candidate this year. I mean, serious that? player, Denver's a serious player. Um, Ulevi's a serious player. Um, I've heard Quinn good Hughes. things about even guys like you know Gaudet, you know, and, and mm -hmm. other guys they have coming right. So who's I think a older older college player, right? Mm -hmm. Adam Adam Gaudet. Yeah, yeah. But, but um, but these guys are like they're, they're. I mean, so yeah, you could tank and maybe get somebody who's slightly better than them, or get lucky and get the top overall pick. Or you could put it together a team on the, I mean, you could ice a team that's going to compete like you should, which is the which is the way that sports work. So I, I I've I've come around on this team. I mean, I still don't think they're good at the trade deadline. I still think that that's that's their issue because it the, the, there's a counterintuitiveness to what they're doing. They are trying to compete, but at the trade deadline, they don't make moves. I mean, they obviously don't like to trade draft picks, right? So this is what it comes down to. Well, and and and, and they and they do good things with their draft picks, even if they're not in the top five or ten draft picks. They and, still do. But that was like a fifth round draft pick, I think. And their cho and their choices of who to keep and re-sign. I mean, you, I mean, how? I wish I had a dollar for every Vancouver Canuck fan who was pissed off last year when they re-signed Erica Branson. Yeah, uh, that, you know that, that I don't get either because I I like Branson. I mean, I think I don't have a problem with your Branson. Well, I mean, neither do I, but the but the analytics crowd think he's the uh, devil yeah. incarnate. When are you ever going to get? An, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sick, so I'm on I'm pain medication. I can get really ordinary today. But when 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 are you ever going to get a player like Eric Garanson? I mean, when the hell does analytics matter with a player like Eric Garanson? Like he is, he's a hard hitter. He's a tough defense defensive guy. I don't know. I mean, matters, I like. It matters if you think he's something he's not. That's when it matters. And analytics are one tool in the toolbox to help you understand, well, I want good Branson. We're going to slot him in here and do this. But if you use your analytics right, you're going to realize, wait, no, good Branson's skill set is this. Yeah. And if you expect that from him, 
you've made a mistake, and that's how analytics can help you. But right, if you watch Eric Branson play, you should expect to get what you get out of him, and you're going to get a hard-hitting player who's going to compete, who's going to be in your top six. Top blocker. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean this thing, though. I, I don't think they do get enough credit. I think, I think on some of these trades, they're low-level trades until all of a sudden they get something out of it, like Sven Barshi. I mean, you go back to when they originally got him, and – he now was signed to a you know a three-year deal. In his last three years, he's had years of 28 points, 35, 29 points, 15, 18, and 14 goals. Like this is a guy they got for a second round pick. That's a brilliant trade. Where their fans have a problem is Erica Branson at four million bucks for another three years. I like Gabranson. I think I, I would take Gabranson on the Maple Leafs any day because they need that big stay-at-home tough defenseman, but I'm just telling you that you know a lot of a lot of the fan base in Vancouver don't like him, don't like you know the type of game he plays, and the same and to a lesser extent, you know, Peter, you can confirm this with Chris Tanev because Chris Tanev gets hurt all the time. Yeah. Right, and that, and, and, and you know, 126 hits and 81 blocks. Right, I mean, they, and they, I mean, the mistake they made. Okay, let's look at like Louis Erickson. That's a huge mistake. Okay, they made that mistake. Yeah. There's no questions asked about that. They made their mistakes. Every team has a couple of them on their on their you know team that they make, and and they brought him in because he had just come off of a you know a pretty good Stanley Cup run and everything like that with Boston, if I remember right. Like he wasn't too far away from having his good year. Um, and uh, I could be misremembering things. Like I said, I'm on no you no, know, no no you, on a day well. But um. You know, but he but he was flying pretty high there, and um, and they were gonna he was gonna get that money from somebody. They got it from Vancouver, which was an odd choice at the time. But they brought him into play with the Sedins, who were you know who they were giving a last chance to try to win something with. Basically, they were they were they felt like they owed it to the Sedins to give him a serious winger. That's how I remember it, and that's what they did, right? So they yeah. went in there and they gave him a serious winger, and he was like, go ahead. Peter? No, no, I, I agree. They did. And that's when I think they did that the year they mysteriously kind of made the playoffs without really thinking they would. They got they got beat by Calgary and all of a sudden, hey, wait a second, maybe we're really not that far off. Louis Erickson's been a serviceable guy. Um, right. you know, and, and they, they did went down that road. Um, it was a bad deal. It, it wasn't the right thing to do. It's it's a mistake. Um Erickson currently has four more years at six million. Yeah. And I would suspect that he will be a buyout candidate in after not this season, but next season, after 2019-20, because I would expect with the lockout that we all expect to happen, we're gonna have that that moment of grace where you can buy out players that it won't count against. Your buy your limited buyouts for regular season. Everyone just like last time, you'll get that opportunity to do a few buyouts to wipe the yeah. slate clean. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure they're going to have a compliance buyout this time because remember right. on the last on the last CBA they were implementing the cap and they were clearing out some right. of those cap recapture ones. Here, I don't think the cap is going anywhere, so I don't think there's going to be a, a get out of jail free card on you know Brandon Sutter or whoever. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's going to be. I, I think I think the we may you know, and I know someone put out a big article about what the issues are. Never oh, Katie, Katie Strang. Yeah, Katie Strang. I just you know, 
doesn't write for us, so I don't need to say your name. Oh. <laughs> um, but I have tons of respect for. Uh, I don't think we can accurately predict all the issues right now because as you get into negotiations, you like you have your five things you want, but you have fifteen other things that you'll bring into the fold as the things you have to concede change, and that's what happens. So oh. You know, this is how the NHL works. I mean, like it or not, Gary Bettman, this will be, if, if the lockout happens and, you know, who's betting against it, this will be his fourth, 94, 2005, 2013. This will be his fourth. Yeah. He's a pro at being patient. Right. He has dismantled the Players Association management and leadership twice. Right. Yeah. And he's he's good. And he's a tactician with this. And you bring in these other things. We know what guys, that's really cool. But we want to have my our teams, they have some money and they want to be able to get rid of some of your contracts. So you know what? Maybe that becomes the end for a Louis Erickson. But betting against that possibility happening, I think, is really silly because owners always want ways to get out of their mistakes. They do, but remember, like these last, the, Donald Fear wasn't there the whole time, right? Right. Well, since he's been there, he's won quite a bit of things for the for the players and the yeah. PA. I mean, actually, the smartest thing the players ever did was bringing in Donald Fear yeah. when they made that big pitch to him because he's he's paid them off in spades. So I don't think I don't think Batman will be able to get away with as much as he did in some of those others. And I I you know there could there be a compliance buyout? Sure, there could be, but. I still think there's, you know, a couple of hills on here. I know we all think, well, there can't be anything that they could possibly lock out on, but there is. Yeah. Yeah. Length, length, of length of contract is definitely going to be one. This isn't going to be. I mean, I, I think that you, you're, you might miss a, mu a month or something. Well, we, you know, but we don't even talk about the fact that they can walk away from this CBA. There is that clause. I mean, that is possible that it happens. But if they, but if they walk away, remember, I think it's – Next summer, I think it's the play. Or next summer, I think it's the owners. And the following summer, I think it's the players. I think right. that's the way it is. Yeah. And but the thing is, if they agree to walk away, uh, that, I, no. But if they agree to walk away, there is a year in between yes. that then and when they can walk away. So it could be a negotiation sort of on the fly and not at the eleventh hour. But that, the thing is, is that may I'm sure they'll wait until the last moment just to get oh, as much possible yeah exactly but no, yeah they don't know you know they they both sides have learned that it that they don't lose by missing some time in on the season which is unfortunate that's just the way it goes but you know i think that you know i hate that i hate lockout proof contracts that's another conversation for another day but getting back to vancouver for a second um so i went through their 50 contracts and there's an astonishing thing that you find out about the vancouver canucks right away and i don't know if any other team has this many and then maybe they do but I've, I don't think so. I mean, I, I've never done this before. So this, this is really off the top of my head. I did it really quickly. I want you guys to guess how many first or second round draft picks are in their 50 contracts. So out of so the 50 contracts. For both? Yeah, out of, 50, out of the 50 contracts, how many of those players were drafted in the first or second round? Not by them necessarily, but just in the first. Ooh, I'm going to say, like, you want a total number or a percentage? Yeah, total number. So, like, you know. 12. Oh, I'm gonna say higher than that. Way higher. Well, the second, second round could be it's over. It's over twenty-five. I'll yeah, say a lot. 
Uh, I'll say 16. All right, 28. Wow. 20, wow. So you're, you're at 28 players. So over half of your 50 contracts were drafted in the first or second round. That's just an enormously high number. Like that, really, you know, When you think about that, though, like there was a couple of years ago when the Rangers were collecting first-rounders from other teams. Well, I, know, I, mean, I don't know what it means. You know, what it means is this. What it means is they are a team that that sees – they're like they're playing the long game and they're looking at potential. And they're yeah. looking – and they're means- looking – because what a, what a draft, because what, what I've been taught, and you know, I don't know prospects like you guys do, but one thing that always stuck in my head that a scout told me years ago is that if a player dominates at the junior level, they'll eventually dominate in the NHL. That's the theory, right? And it might take them a long time, but eventually, you know, once they get to the age where they're playing with people, you know, that are younger than them, I think that, that like, and they said this about, I remember it was Jeff Carter I was talking about, who really dominate. And they said, well, if you dominate at the junior level, eventually, you think for and so the first and second rounders are those who dominate at the junior level, and you expect them eventually. It might take some time. So what the Canucks are doing is they're amassing. You know they obviously love the draft. They they feel highly. But there are some teams that just that actually go the opposite way. That like you know they want to get the fourth or fifth rounders. This they they because really, of Benning though. Like this is all Benning's doing, and yeah. and it's really not hurting them at all. And that's what I always try and point out to people. Yeah, it's that interesting thought about the draft and stuff and it was you know again bring up another name but doesn't write for us but we all know who he is tyler dello made a really interesting point about five years ago and he said one of the interesting things he's found is that some of the best third and fourth line guys are first and second high or not high draft picks but first round draft picks who never lived up to their potential for what they're supposed to be right yeah you're trying to build a balanced roster and you find the right guys and you realize where they fit a process like vancouver having all these first and second round picks where they're nhl caliber maybe they're not living up to the top end your top six but man we know the value of having a solid bottom six now is a measure in the league yeah I just did the Rangers, and they're eight. They're at eighteen, which is still really high. Um, uh, okay, that's still high. Yeah, twenty-eight. I was like, my God, twenty-eight is kind of crazy. And the difference is the Van. So the Vancouver Canucks. The weird thing about it is, okay, they have you know, in their their first two lines now, according to let's let's them they you know whatever according to a roster resource. I'm not, I don't, again, I don't know if these are top lines, but their first two lines are all that. Like Erickson's a second, Horvat's a first, Besser's a first, Barchi's a first. Pedersen's a first, Granlin's a second. Okay, so there's that's all those players, right? And then you know, you get down to Sam Gagne, who's a first. You know, um, Brandon Sutter's a first. Um, and then, but then what's interesting is you get into even some of their really like obscure players on their minor league teams. You know, like that that are under contract with them. They're part of this contract. Are in there? You know, it's just it's really they have a lot of first rounders playing for them in the AHL. Yeah, but but I but I I mean I can remember, you know, it been not so long ago when they were struggling, the Leafs had an absolute ton of first round picks yeah. because they were the receptacle for failed first round picks and second chances. Right. And that's the thing. It's like it's great to have guys who are first round picks. That's what you're what you're aiming for. Are first round picks who can play. Right. And there are some some first round picks on the Canucks and on other teams that have not reached their potential, and maybe they can be effective third or fourth liners. But where this team needs, what this team needs, is first li- first round picks who can actually play up to their potential. And I think guys like you know Besser showed it last year. I think PLC will do it this year too. I think Pedersen will do it. I think I think Hughes will do it. I mean, so 
you know, that record with, with Benning is improved, but just because they have a lot of guys who are first round picks is not a pathway to success. Right? No, I don't think it's a success. I just think it's the kind of, it's, it's what they look at in, in terms of how they, you know, they obviously, they obviously value where a guy was drafted, you know, that it matters to them. Yeah. It means something to them, you know, because some, some teams will say, you know, there are certain teams that are almost opposite that, you know, like they, they, if a player has been like bounced around and suddenly he comes in, like you said, he's a fit. Oh, he, you know, they're looking at him. Should we pick him up? What well, round was he drafted? He was drafted in the first round. Wow, wow, he's been an underachiever. That's pretty crazy, you know. Or, or he, like you know, what, what round he's drafted in the fifth round? Wow, that's pretty. You know, he's doing pretty well. Considering well, can can we flip it to the other side of the the equation if there is a deal here? Because, I mean, honestly, and we've talked about Ottawa ad nauseum in terms of you know the three unrestricted free agents, but there's talk about. You know, Craig Anderson still wanting out, and if there is a if there is an impetus here to get Carlson a, a Carlson deal done before they get to training camp, to me, I mean, I, I think it's just reflect. I mean, we saw we talked about it yesterday. Act the the comments of Johnny Oduya, and may, and maybe you know the, the fact that he was you know he's on the way out the door uh, is a is a factor, but the the fact that he basically said that the organization. Um, didn't know how to react to certain situations. Didn't have, um, you know, the the estab the established uh, um, what was the what was the term, Russ? That they they were they were not steeped in uh, in tradition, right? And 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 that uh, you know they when everything went badly, uh, there was no mechanism to you know manage the situation. It was just a cl- a clown car, a, a, sh- a show of crap, and that's. I think still what's going on. So, well, speaking of clown car, uh, breaking news from the Senators. Ian Mendes just reporting that Senators announced assistant GM Randy Lee has resigned. Yeah. Whoa. Like, what is going on? Huh. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, without going into detail, it's tied to what happened at the draft combine in May. Um, there was, uh, I believe the Chargers are still pending i think he pled not guilty but they did i believe they did an internal vest investigation and after that um you know he was forced to leave the organization and the thing is i i saw somebody make the comment it's like it's very late in the game late august going into september you know a couple weeks before training camp he was not just the assistant gm of the senators he was the general manager of the belleville senators he was you know he's he he's the leader of their ahl team so now on top of all the other stuff that Pierre Dorian has to handle, now he has to handle Belleville as well. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Lee, um, he, he was a pretty highly regarded guy for quite a long time. You know, like he has been. No question. Yeah, but I mean, and I don't know what is happened, that? and I don't even want to get into it. But I just yeah, I, no, no, I, I don't want to go into it either. But, that, you but, know, it is um, it's a it's but, it's a big story for sure. But I mean, but but just in ter- just in terms of the optics of what's going on in Ottawa, besides that, besides the Hoffman Carlson thing, which you know thankfully has become, I mean, it's sort of faded into the woodwork right now. I don't know what, whether we're ever going to hear anything more about uh, the situation with with Hoffman's fiance and Carlson's wife. But just on the ice, the fa- just the focus on the ice, you've got their number one goaltender who apparently wants out. You've got their top scorer. Who wants out? You've got a two-time Norris Trophy winner who basically will not resign there. Uh, you traded one of your best scorers. You're trying to dump your one of your highest-paid players by t- by attaching him to Eric Carlson. What isn't a joke about this franchise? 
No, it's, 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 I mean, it, it's unfortunate that it's in a pile on phase right now, right? Because they, they have had, you know, they've had so many things happen to them. And it, it's like, it, and you really, you do have to feel for the fans of the, you know, you know, I'm not feeling for the owners here, but I'm just saying, you know, the owner has his own, his own issues and all that stuff. But um, I, 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 there's not much that's going right there. Anderson, you know, I, we wonder almost, could he be included in a deal with Carlson? You know, I mean, he, I don't think he's going to be. I think at this point, I mean, what, what I mean, I don't think Anderson has to go at this moment. No. No, so, they don't have to go at all. And, and I think I think they're going to be very hesitant to trade him because he's going to be the only one of the only things that keeps them from getting that you know first pick overall problem that they have. Because Anderson, I, I, I think he's a I think he's a deadline. I think he's got one year left in his contract after this year. I think he's a deadline deal for somebody who needs a goaltender. So you know, if if, if Jake Allen fails in St. Louis or something like that, and they need a goalie, then he might be the guy that is the most readily available for a trade. So it's interesting. I guess scout and just one more thing on Vancouver, a scout who I, I really trust, who, who I know covers the Western Conference in depth, um, who's watching the show right now, said to me, um, sent me this little text saying, "It's an interesting comment." He said, "It is true about that," but he said there is something that you know you need to notice about the players that what you're very talk about is the players that Vancouver signed in the offseason, being um, you know that they picked up Anton Roussel, Jay Beagle, yeah. and Tim Schaller, um, and what do the three of those have in common? Well, they're all they're all character guys. They're all like beyond that. But you know, in the context of what we we're saying, none of them were drafted. Right. <laughs> Talking about three undrafted players, Russell, Beagle, and Schaller, Right. So it's pretty crazy. Well, the other the other news that we were going to probably lead off the show first with, but then this uh, report about uh, Carlson uh, broke, was the uh, injury to Sean Couturier and. Uh, yeah. Since the show started, we had a little bit of clarification from Bill Meltzer and Dave Isaac. Dave Isaac was reporting he's going to be out four weeks, which would put him in the middle of training camp or in the middle of the preseason. Um, then the concern here is is that this is – I believe this is the same knee that he hurt. No, they're saying it's not a re-injury. But what okay. But, but he is going to have to wear like that derotation brace while he plays. Or some sort of brace, and so the worry here is is something that we've seen for oh I don't know last three four years with the Flyers. Somebody gets hurt early, they play through it, and their numbers drop pretty drastically. Mm -hmm. you know, could be the next guy in that list, and we saw it happen with Simmons. We saw it happen with Giroux more than once, and now Couturier. I mean, Eck. Yes, it's good news that he'll be in training camp, although he'll be wearing the yellow jersey. There's no contact and all of that. So he'll play the season, but he's now diminished from what you saw last year. There's no way around it. Yeah, there's no there. I mean, and, you know, it, it's not – if it's this – you know, what's interesting is it doesn't have to be that a re-injury to have been affected by the injury from before, you know, like that. Right. When when you, when you you're when you're rehabilitating a, a knee or whatever, you know, you're – and when when your knee is hurt, but from and you play on it, like you did play on it quite a bit too, with it hurt, all that can all that makes you put stress on different parts of your body, and different things happen. So it could all be connected, you know. And it, it is all connected. I mean, it's it's it's, it's you know, it's one body, one organ. Yeah. You know, it's 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 no question that you know this it plays into it, and it makes it harder for him. Now he's a tough character. So the thing about him, you know, that we do know is that you know, he is, but here's the thing: how much he's is going to never the fastest guy? And now you kind of wonder, is he losing a little bit of the speed? If he is, then all of a sudden you're slowing down that top line a little bit. 
possibly, yeah. I mean, but like you say, oh, not possibly. Like, there's a isn't what isn't isn't his thing to start with. So that I mean, right. and I mean, I think that Couturier's strength is the fact that he is as smart as he is, right? Like, it, it, it's it's yeah. all about intelligence for him, and that he can put himself in a position where he doesn't have to be the fastest guy, and that's and he's except in a top line in the NHL now, you do have to be at least quick. Yeah, you have to have quickness. And you have to. And have the worry is if he's going to lose some of that quickness, what will that do to the top line? No, it's legitimate. Yeah. I mean, it's legitimate. I, I, I have to see it. I, I, it's kind of thing that with that particular, you know, with certain players, you kind of bet on them not having an effect until you'd see it having an effect. Because he's well, the kind I, of work who works so hard and just basically will play through pain and, and just has no yeah. – Now, well, if it has effect, it has effect. But it's, there are some players like, you know, that who get hurt a lot that you know you worry about more than I worry about. Well, until we until we heard the extent and the you know the the range of how long they expect him to be out, Russ and I were discussing you know what the Flyers would do if Couturier. And the thing is, you know, you have to you have to consider the possibility here that he's tweaked this injury that it could have long term ramifications and you know possibility of him having to have surgery or sit out for a while, or you know all all those factors are in. And if 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 you look at the Flyers. What are the options if Couturier is out for a prolonged period? Do they move Giroux back to the middle? Uh, you know, do they keep up? Do they you know keep a uh, a young kid like Morgan Frost, who was their uh, second first round pick from 2017? Uh, you know, uh, early in the season, and let's see if he can he can play in the NHL as a 19 year old. I mean, there are not a lot of. I mean, I think those are good options, but. Um, you know, I, it, it forces them to do something that they probably don't want to do. Yeah, it could. It could. I mean, I, I think you're going to have to look at it again in camp and see how Couturier looks, although you're not really going to know until the early part of preseason because, you know, he's not going to have any contact. And, you know, the thing about hockey is when the guys wear the no-contact jersey – they're not practicing at the same pace yeah. and speed. No. Everything else they need to do when they're in a game. And this is, a, to me, this is a worry. Like, this is a red flag in the sense that this could affect their top line. If it does affect the top line, then, I don't know, maybe someone like Frost does get a longer look because maybe they're going to have to have his speed in there. Yeah, I mean they can't really they can't really promote Scott Lawton or I mean, or you know Jordan Wheel up to a second line because I don't think they're capable of of handling that kind of responsibility. I think I think eventually Frost is going to be that number two center, you know, at the NHL level who can score you know 60, 65 points because he's a very good playmaker and has got really great speed, but. He's 19. I mean, the expectation is he's going to play for the Sioux this year, probably play for Team Canada, the World Junior, and to put him in an, into a situation if Couturier can't play, that might be unfair to him. So, I, I mean, it, it may, that's why I, I lean towards them moving Giroux to the middle because he's played there before. And if it's, if it's you know, say a month or six weeks, I think he can handle it. Here's the funny thing, though, and this is what I got a kick out of, and it might just be headline writing, but – they said, you know, the headline is like even on on NHL.com that he'll be out approximately four weeks. Well, I mean, so will the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's no reason to panic here. There's a lot of different things going on, and so he has a slower training camp. He doesn't play much in the preseason. That's you know, 
that's going to have a few timing things. But if he comes back mid-October to be safe, there's nothing here for Philly to worry about. Yeah. Uh, that's the best case scenario, Peter. I, I can't go along with that, though. I've seen too many things with these Flyers teams, with guys with, you know, slight injuries that they just keep playing through all season that eventually their production goes down. Yeah, no, I mean, it. Uh, I mean, Murray had the best year of his career last year. Are we really expecting him now to have that same year? I think that's a lofty goal at this point. Yeah, true. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you know, it's all speculation. It's hard to say. And Couturier, oh. what, what we have here is Couturier's extreme importance to the Flyers, which is obvious, yeah. right? And we saw that last year when he was missing in the playoffs that he is, and, and you know, it's it's interesting. We still have to go back to like you know. Remember, they got Couturier and Voracek for Jeff Carter. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Still, you know, like that's like it's so funny when you look back at the trade. Still to this day, it's amazing. I mean, it really is. They got two top fine players. You know, but heck, he went from 34 points to 76 points. I'm willing to make you a bet right now, and I don't even think you would take it that he's not getting 76 points this year. Well, I think just because of that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this. I'm gonna take the bet. Uh, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, I will take that bet because well, Peter, 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 and I think that if anything, I'm going to ask Drew in the chat room to jot it down so we have right, some take care of it. But Peter. here's, I mean, if anything, Couturier last year, you know, the way this guy learns at the rate at which his IQ in hockey is. I mean, I think that last year he learned how to play center on the top line. I mean, literally, he went from not having that role at all uh-huh. to having that role completely, and. And I, who's to say that he's not going to just get better at it? Like, I mean, that is that you know he's going to in another year playing that role with now with Giroux and and you know, and uh, with also you know probably connect connect or whoever on the side improving as well. Who's to say his points aren't going to go up? I'm I'm going over. I'm I'm going to go in the over there. Russell. I'm going to go 55, 60 points. That's it. Peter, um, TSN was reporting that uh, they interviewed Josh Morrissey, and he's indicating that he believes that he'll be signing a new deal with the with the Jets soon. I, I still struggle to d- decide whether it's going to be a bridge or it's going to be a long term deal because I think that what it, what it what it is is going to sort of affect what they do with Truba and have a sort of a domino effect. Yeah, it, it's it, it certainly is. Um, I think everyone in Winnipeg is sitting around going, what's taking so long? I saw the, um, he also spoke to some of the Winnipeg Free Press as well. And I saw the article on that. And it was a lot of typical, you know, generally positive cliche answers. And I expect we'll hear more of that as, you know, if, if he's not signed by training camp, we'll hear a little bit more. But I don't understand why it wouldn't be. But, you know, that's three weeks away. Yeah. Um, I've sat on the fence about what the Jets want to do with Morrissey in terms of do they want to give him a chance to see if he's really has the offensive talent he had in junior at the NHL level, or do they think, no, this is what he is. We need to pay him for this now and lock him up. And I'm still of the belief, I think they want to go bridge because I think it buys them a little bit of time. They're willing, I, if they do, their logic is this. They're willing to bet that he doesn't have enough, he doesn't have much more offensive power that's going to drive up his value. Right. And they can- They're gonna lose that bet, Peter. I can tell you right now. Well, Russ, I, I, I'm not saying it's a bet I would make. Yeah, if that's the case. I think that I think that could be some of the logic. 
And if it doesn't materialize, then they bought themselves two years a little cheaper while they deal with some other problems. And that's, and that's it. And right. they're going to be in the same situation next year with Kyle Connor. And then in the same situation here, same situation with Jack Rosledich too. So yeah. what they do with Morrissey hmm. is kind of going to maybe give some insight into what they do with the other players. But then again, Ehlers came out of his deal. They locked him up for seven years. Shifley came out. They locked him up for eight. So they're going to lock up Connor really first, I think. I, I, my preference is, is they lock Morrissey up for eight and get it done. But well, I the, think they go bridge. The, 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 thing is, the thing is, Peter, and, and that might be, you know, an indicator toward that is if they bridge Morrissey for two years, there's only one year left on Bufflin's deal at the yeah. end of that. And then they have they have $7.6 million opened up. So they may pay a little more if Russ is right and they're thinking he's, you know, he's, he's a 35 to 40 point defenseman, then they're going to have to pay him. But they'll, they'll probably be without Truba at that point, And they will be one one year away from being without Bufflin. So they'll, they'll yeah. probably have the room. Just think about this. I mean, his seven goals were all even strength. Like, this guy has a great shot. The year before, his six goals, five of them were even strength. So how much power play time is he even getting? Yeah, not None. much. Right. And that's the thing. And, Russ, this is the, the other he thing, too. The power play time, he'll be that 40-point guy. And you remember him from junior. Yeah. He was, like, he was known for his offensive prowess. Yeah. And he's just, like, so here's the thing. What if, I mean, what if he had Kurt Overhart for an agent? You'd have the exact same argument that Truba has. My client's not getting the time to present himself on the top level power. Well, how do you get him in? How do you get him in? And all defensemen need to think about this when so much of the NHL power play is running four forwards and, and uh, one defense. Well, that's why I think when right? you look at these 13 even strength goals, you say, okay that's where you've got some extra value here because yeah. he's not getting on the power play and those goals mean something to the team. And so that's where he's going to make a little more than what his numbers say because of that, because yeah. he could score 10 goals in a season, whether he gets on the power play or not. Yeah. So what do you think his value is? What do you think he, if he's a bridge, what do you think the AAV is? And if he's long-term, what do you think it is? I'm just curious what you guys think. Like, where do you think he goes? If he's a bridge, I think it'll be in the three-five range. Russ, yeah, I think it's going to be closer to like four because I'm also looking at 168 blocks. Like I don't remember in juniors him being put in the position of making that many blocks. So I have a feeling, based on the role that they're giving him, they are going to have to boost him a bit. Like, same way I've talked about, like, when the Rangers moved Brandon Dubinsky from center to left wing, they had to pay him to do that. I think they're going to have to pay Morrissey to not be as offensive. And if if it's a seven-year deal, let's say they sign him to a seven-year deal, then I think you might be able to get him at, like, 3.75, something like that for the seven-year deal. No, that's that's the thing. I think if they're buying three years of unrestricted free agency, I think he's over five. No, he won't be over five. I – I, I think it's locked up long term for under five. They should yeah. give the keys of the city to Chevy. Because no, I think you do it under five. I do. And I don't know. Yeah, but how do you like how do you pay him? 
And then give Truba potentially six or six and a half. Well, that's the whole thing. That's why I'm only giving him between 3.75 and let's say four and a half. But I'm, ass I'm, ass assuming, I'm assuming that Truba is gone because – yeah. yeah, I can't yeah. assume that yet, though. Yeah, yeah. not yet, but I think uh, you think so. I mean, it would make sense, but at the same time, I mean, this team, this team, have another great run, you know. And, and win. here's the thing: I think at some point they may come to the realization that they need to move Bufflin and and keep the other guys because the intangibles that Bufflin gives you is not enough. Yeah, but good luck. And that's oh, the thing. Would, no, no, teams would take Dustin Bufflin. Sort of tied along this whole line is um. It's a Tobias Enstrom rumor I was hearing today. Um, you know, now is this coming from his mother? Because otherwise, we don't hear anything about him. <laughs> I know, you don't hear much about Tobias Enstrom. He is practicing with Modo over in Switzerland. Right, we do know that. Yeah, and you know, once they want to give him, a, they want a decision shortly as to whether he's going to play there or not. Um, he's been talking talking to the Oilers, um, but the Oilers just—I don't know if you saw that they—they they tried they tried to offer. Um, Brandon Davidson. Yeah, right. Baby. Brandon Davidson contract. You saw that, right? He said but no. They, but they signed. But, but they signed Jura back, and that's and and yeah, they that's, signed, not the, that's not the answer for Sakara. You know, like I mean. I, well, I know, but that, but but Ak, I think what the what the answer for Sakara is is that they're gonna, you know, they're probably gonna play other defensemen like Larson or Clefbaum in more of an offensive role, or ask them to be more offensive, and maybe a guy like Matthew Benning to step up. There's not a lot of answers out there in free agents. I mean, right I, mean I mean, Enstrom, I mean, or Emelin are both good solutions for them. I mean, they are really, in my opinion, there are a lot of answers. Emlyn's a, a bottom-pairing guy at best. Yeah, yeah. but you, 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 what Edmonton desperately needs and what they what they get out of Sakara is the fact that he's got experience. You know, that's like, that's like, that's what they desperately need back there on the defensive end. And that's why, you know, Enstrom, I, I, I do, I'm not, I would not be shocked at all if Enstrom is somehow slightly tied to Carlson in terms of the fact that, you know, that there might be a couple teams out there looking at Carlson and Enstrom's wait because there's Enstrom waiting out is not because there's no team that will give him a contract. It, I think there's because there's a couple teams that he really wants to play for that might be also in on the Erickson thing. That's what I'm, that's the impression I'm getting. From talking that's possible, about. but I also think he could wait a month into the season and then all of a sudden something shakes loose because of injury. I think that's yeah. more likely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe, but he also he want he doesn't mind. He wouldn't mind playing Moto. So the idea is, you know. And Moto, Moto, and that's what I mean. Because who's rushing out to get Enstrom at this point? Clearly, nobody. Right, no, but Moto. I mean, it, it is, it's a little fascinating to me, like that he is still out there. Um, well, we Moto, Moto, Sorry. Yeah. Why isn't Why isn't um, Edmonton taking a one-year deal with Enstrom at like three and a half? Yeah, and I think that I think that has been discussed, and I think that, and, and I also think that Edmonton is in on. And in, in, in on um, Erickson, I really Carlson. Carlson, Erickson, I really do. I am. I'm. I've been told so many times now that that that's the case. That I, they I, are. I, I don't. I don't see how that deal gets done. I don't. I don't know. But, how either, but I really don't know how the Vancouver deal gets done either. So I mean, really, when you look at it. I, well, I, th I think I, I think we I think we laid it out pretty pretty successfully. Because I, I I think that I think Vancouver Vancouver's got a lot more pieces to play in terms of a, a deal for Carlson than I think Edmonton does. I don't think Edmonton wants to give up the players that Ottawa would be looking unless they're interested in giving up Evan Bouchard after taking him in the draft. And I don't think they're gonna they're gonna do that. But um, I want to get back to Buffalo for one second because yeah, yeah. if you look at his year, he had forty five points. Total yeah. drop off in goals, eight goals. Yeah. 
He had uh, 147 hits, which was down. He played less games. He had twice more than he had like 2.2 the amount of giveaways to takeaways. Like it's a down year. That was a down year for him. And and he's 33 years old. Yeah. And I think he's slowing down. And that's why I'm saying good. Still take him, but I'm saying with all the plethora of guys that they had there, I would be more I would be more worried about moving him out and keeping a guy like Truba and then putting guys like Truba and Morrissey more on the offensive part of the power play than worrying about Bufflin and this great shot. Because at the end of the day, this great shot's not producing much anymore. Peter, do you think that they're, there's, they're more likely to go in that direction of looking to exploring moving Bufflin than re-signing Truba? And yeah, the factor here, here is Truba, I mean, after we thought that there was a chance he was going to sign an extension, we get the impression now that they're, they're on the outs again because yeah, one year closer to UFA. I, I, I think moving Dustin Bufflin from this franchise – would mean a whole bunch of other things have gone wrong. Yeah. That's, that's, that is the level of, of that is how integral Bufflin is to that room, the identity of the team to the fans and to the other players. He is the piece in that room. He is, you know, I know people hate the term, but he is that clue guy. Yeah. No one has anything bad to say about Buff. And the interesting thing is, is I'm not saying anything bad about him either. I'm just, but I mean, no, like you don't, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the interesting thing is, there's a belief that Andrew Lab is one of the few guys who could talk to Buff and get through to him about you got to bring your A game, you got, you know. But you know what? You don't need you don't need that anymore. Buff's bringing it and self motivating. Self motivate. He's in the best shape of his career, and he sees something and, and he's, you know, maybe he evolved a little bit. 7.6 is a lot of money, man. Right. And and that's, and that's why Russ, I don't, I don't know if there's a team out there that's going to take him at full value, take him as a declining player at 33 years. I don't think Winnipeg is going to trade him, but I mean, if they were, if they, of of your mindset, I don't think that there's anybody taking him at 7.6. Take back a salary in the deal. But I think, because I don't think it's about losing his salary as much as it is, getting rid of the log jam at that position and putting other guys in a better place. I, I get what Peter's saying because I think Winnipeg fans would be afraid because they just had this great season. But you know what? At some point, if they don't win the cup again this year, you've got Buffalo another year older with $15 million roughly that you're going to have to pay him over the next two years after that. Things could look, start to look bad because if you lose Truba – and and you only bridge Morrissey, you're, there could be a problem there. You know, you could have a problem. I, I, I just – I think you could probably move Bufflin. Um, you're going to retain salary, and you're probably going to do it the way the Blues retain some of Stasny's salary. That's how you move them. Right. Um, basically the same thing, right? $7 million, 7.6. You, you, you eat half of it, and you get something right. back for them. Because yeah. just remember – you take a Dustin Bufflin and you put him in a, in a, in a team where he doesn't have to be the show and, right. you, and you're going for a Stanley Cup, he's a, cha- he's a change maker. Oh, yeah. If he's a rover, forget it. Yeah. You're, um, you know, I, I agree that he's so vital to that team. He's not going Yeah, out. no, I, you, you're absolutely right. Like, he plays a massive role in that. Oh, he's, 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 I got to run really quick. We'll chat soon.
Okay. Thanks. Just just to finish up quickly here, because uh, we're we're up against the time wise. Um, PTO for Emerson Edom with the LA Kings. Uh, Russ, I mean, a few years ago was 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 skate, and so like this is the one thing about being a fast player in this era is if you have speed, you will always get a chance. And Edom, Edom is a California kid, I believe. Yeah. So, no, yeah, he played me. He was a man. He was a big player for what? The was it the Ducks or the Kings? I think he was, he was, a big it was drafted by the Ducks. He was really good at times for the Ducks. I mean, just he had moments. I mean, he was a Ranger for a short time, right? I mean, he didn't do much there. I think it's a great, it's a great PTO for that. But it's a good PTO because if he has figured it out with his speed, then yes, Emerson Edom could be a great guy to have in there. Huge, huge. I mean, he, and I mean, I, just, I think that I, I really, I like, I like a lot of his game. He's it definitely brings a lot of energy, and he bring and what LA needs is speed. You know, this is yeah, where they need speed. I mean, and they, I think they have picked it up. I, I think overall, yeah. I think they are faster than they were. Yeah, they would, they, they, and they will be. You, you'll see that. I mean, there'll be an interesting yeah. thing here. There's you know, a lot funny, of in the chat room. We didn't get a chance to to go through it with Peter, but you know, of course, Mark. Peterson's asking, what are they going to do about Blake Wheeler? See, again, that's another one of those deals where at some point this team has to move on from some of these middle-aged players. Because right now these guys are middle-aged hockey players. That's what they are. They may not be age-wise in real life, but as hockey players they are. And you don't want to be in that spot, and they weren't with Andrew Lett, but you don't want to be in that spot where you've hung on to them too long. Because then yeah, you're talking again about I know, but I'm just you know Blake Wheeler was an MVP candidate this past year, you know, like this I know. I'm not saying this year's the year. And that's and that's and that's why Russ, I think that the instead you know, if they can get Wheeler to take a shorter term deal, like four years he's not gonna do it. That's the problem. Well then then he's gone. But I'm saying if they if then uh, you know, if they get him to take a shorter term deal, then that's why you're gonna see Truba get moved in the off season because they can't pay line eight and Connor and Wheeler and Truba. There's, they're going to have to make a decision on somebody. And to my mind, it's the guy who in the, who I think has indicated more than once that he's not willing to stay there. If they're not going to pay him what he's worth. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Yeah. I just, uh, right now they're in a bad spot with Blake Wheeler. Cause there's no way he's taking a short term deal. Cause this is probably his last big deal. This is a big deal. Right. Yeah. They, they're, they're, they're going to have to sign him. They're just, they're going to have to find another way. They all have to find another way. Remember, guys, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks again, and talk to you soon. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.